This is a podcast from Minute Media. I'm solid to the grave, never change me and my son the rain. It gets wet when we hang. I'm solid, could touch the blue part of the flame, the blue part of the flame. And nothing I just want to roll with those in the bottom. Welcome to Sportfire, the sports comedy podcast that doesn't want to do a retirement tour unless that means I can get gifts, in which case, gimme gimme, I love myself. I'm your host, Adam Weinerman. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the Coach K Masterclass app, a lecture series featuring all the condescending little lectures he's delivered to players who just beat him, and paying $78,000 just to have my view of an embarrassing loss blocked by a dejected Ken Jong. Yeah, I am not going to let this Duke thing go, and I'm actually pretty upset that the NFL dropped a lot of headlines on top of it so that I have to wait to talk about it. Big show today, skateboarder and Olympic medalist Jagger Eaton spoke to me on behalf of PXG, but first, let's take a quick trip through the headlines. In a stunning turn of events, the woke mob has canceled the Packers cap space. Aaron Rodgers has signed a reported four-year, $200 million deal to keep him in Green Bay through the age of 42. Now we're all ready to watch Jordan Love's future the same way the Chiefs made his family watch from a very far distance. And yes, I know Rodgers has disputed the terms of that deal because Rodgers disputes everything he doesn't leak himself. So I'm going to go ahead and dispute the disputing, or at least dispute the reason behind the disputing. In all seriousness, Rodgers had better put out a press release explaining himself soon. Otherwise, I worry that all this indecision will just look like he did it all for publicity, and that's just not like him. He's got to clear that up ASAP. Meanwhile, the Denver Broncos have traded for Russell Wilson, so you can probably rule out Jordan Love there too. Wilson is the latest in a long line of great Denver QBs, from John Elway to to Peyton Manning to... Seattle, meanwhile, has chosen to bet on Pete Carroll and GM John Schneider, which is worse than anything Calvin Ridley just did. Oh, right. Atlanta Falcons wide receiver Calvin Ridley was suspended one year for dropping $1,500 on a parlay, including his own team. This situation is different from what Pete Rose did, though, because Ridley bet on the NFL not caring because they're in bed with gambling sponsors. Bad beat. Carson Wentz has been traded to the Washington Commanders, which I assume is an unlicensed NFL team from a raunchy 90s comedy? And that makes total sense. He can be the uptight religious character who doesn't get along with the frat star bozos. Come on, boys. Focus. We got a big game coming up with the Florida Manatees. And, okay, who put this fart machine on my stool? And why do I have a designated stool? Pomp and circumstance this weekend. Oh, my God. I've been waiting to do this for 20 minutes now. Surrounded Coach K's final game at Cavern Indoor Stadium. Over 90 former players were in attendance as well as at least two Duke students. Of course, Coach K's farewell didn't exactly go as planned. Well, actually, it depends on who planned it. Duke's plans went awry, but literally everyone else on Earth's plans went pretty all right, actually. Celebrities like Jerry Seinfeld and Adam Silver made the trip to Durham, which is usually Grayson Allen's job, to watch the North Carolina Tar Heels defeat Duke 94-81. But wait, it gets better because Coach K assumed a win would be so easy and assured that he scheduled his ceremony for after the game. 
So once the loss went final, fans were treated to a 20-minute speech from Peter Pettigrew himself, where he had to smile and accept a ceremonial key to the locker room, or wait, sorry, that was the Dallas Cowboys. At one point, Coach K actually had to tell the crowd to stop booing so everyone could finish their speeches about how great he was. But hey, that's what you get for scheduling a farewell tour and making the season all about you instead of your players. Eventually, the players realize you don't care about them, and they get outworked by Armando Baycott accidentally on purpose. Anyway, March Madness is scripted, and Coach K will probably be winning the national title anyway, but this was fun. K has actually requested the Chicago Regional because it's closer to home, which means a quicker trip if he loses to a 15 seed. 341-pound Georgia lineman Jordan Davis ran a 4.78 40-yard dash at the NFL Combine. Now, for context's sake, a lineman running that fast is like a quarterback breaking the sound barrier. Like if Dak Prescott just turned into a loud pop. Davis's NFL draft stock is rising, but he's also reportedly considering ditching the league to become a human snowplow. And Major League Baseball has agreed to ban the shift for the 2023 season. This is surprising, considering MLB is currently experimenting with a radical shift where they take all nine players off the field for an indefinite amount of time. Up next, my interview with Olympic bronze medalist and skateboard superstar Jagger Eaton, courtesy of PXG. Jagger, thanks so much for joining me today, man. To start off, let's talk a little bit about your relationship with PXG and what you got to experience when you visited their HQ in Scottsdale. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, dude, going to PXG was kind of the experience of a lifetime. You know, I've uh, I've done a lot of cool things in my life and I've seen a lot of cool things myself, but walking in that facility, doing the whole custom all the way down to the wedges all the way to the driver and kind of doing the whole experience was unreal it was actually it was kind of the same thing everybody said to me before I actually went and got to do it they said it was an amazing experience and I got to do it and it was unreal so are you a big gear guy in golf in the same way you are in skateboarding like you you really care about the optics of that stuff right oh yeah I really care about my gear basically in everything I do I mean in skateboarding you really need to be on your gear because one little mistake in your gear can, you know, put you off the board or fall or, you know, honestly, major injuries can happen. Uh, but it's the same thing with golf, right? Like I, I, I love golfing. It's a huge passion of mine. I'm actually going golfing later today. Um, but the biggest thing about it is that I really wasn't playing the golf that I wanted to. And then after I went to PXG, my whole game changed. And it's just crazy. I got more yardage. I feel like I was way more precise. All the balls were hitting the middle of the face. It was just it's crazy. It's honestly like a, like if it was a genie in the bottle type scenario. <laughs> <laughs> how does that, how does the mindset change for you when you're on the golf course versus when you're like midair pulling off a trick? Like, is it the same level of Zen or is it a different feeling for you? Uh, I mean, man, I don't think there's a lot of Zen in skateboarding. <laughs> um, yeah. I, yeah, you never I, know. You never know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I love skateboarding so much. Uh, I think skateboarding teaches you so many lessons, but I mean, I think the one thing about golf that I love so much is that I can be as competitive as I am in skateboarding, but not injure myself, right? Like that, that's a huge thing is I can go out all day with my buddies, play 18 holes and walk out of there, win or lose without an injury. Most of the time, if I'm, if I'm, you know, let's say just for, for the sake of words, if I'm doing the Michael Jordan 0.2 seconds left, taking a three throw shot, but in skateboarding terms, most of the time I'm probably going to injure myself if I don't land on my board, right? But 
really, you know, it's the same amount of pressure, same amount of pressure standing over a four foot putt or, you know, trying to hit a trick, a high nine club to win, you know? Yeah. So golf is your favorite sport to play. It's your favorite escape. What about to watch? Is, is golf still your favorite non-skateboarding sport to watch or, or, or some one of the other major sports? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I, I love watching all types of sports, right? I've always been a sports nut. But recently, within the last four years, golf and football have become like huge in what I watch on a day-to-day basis. I mean, I love golf so much. And I think that working with PXG and also working with the PGA Tour and going to those events and seeing that up live, like being able to walk through the ropes and seeing all that, I think it kind of gave me a whole new perception of how these golfers play mentally on the course. And it was so fun to watch. When you're watching football, are you an Arizona Cardinals fan or do you not really have an affiliation? Um, when I'm watching football, I'm always going for for anything AZ. I mean, whether it's the Diamondbacks or the Suns or the Cardinals, I'm always going anything AZ. Um, you know, I uh, recently, you know, I've always, I've always loved Tom Brady. You know, I can't believe he's retired, but he's always a big, I was always a big fan of him. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, I think I just love the act of competitive sports. You know, I'm just, I'm just a sports fan that way. That is, I mean, that perfectly explains why you're a Tom Brady guy too. That lines up hundred percent. Um, you, I mean, you basically grew up with Tom Brady though. Like you've never been in a world without Tom Brady. How does that feel so far knowing that when the season starts, he's not going to be there? Yeah, it sucks. I mean, seeing Tom Brady leave the NFL, honestly, a little bit of part of me was like kind of struggling to watch, watch it again, because I know it's coming up here soon. But I don't know, you know, it's like, you got to just appreciate it, right? Like I got told from my coach recently that we were talking about it while we were working out and my coach actually dropped some knowledge. He goes, a true champion doesn't need anybody to tell him to retire. And so he kind of walked down his own terms. I know everybody thought he was going to go again, but I just think it's awesome that he stepped down his own terms to focus on his family and his friends and, you know, God bless him. Yeah, he did it right. Um, so, of course, I'm going to talk about the Olympics. I wasn't going to let this all go without some Olympics talk. Um, but you, you went to the Olympics in 2020 in Tokyo after having already had a lot of experience at the X Games. So I got to ask, what, what were the main differences you felt, if any, between those two experiences, the X Games that you grew up with and making your Olympic debut? Yeah, you know, I think the main difference between X Games and the Olympics was a couple things. One, the X Games not competing for your country, right? Like that's a huge thing. And the main two differences for me, I think, were the uniforms and also the Olympic spirit. Like the Olympic spirit is real. I think that it's been kind of a talk where, you know, like everybody, like I feel like all Americans or all countries across the globe get into the Olympic spirit when the Olympics starts happening. But being an athlete at the Olympic games, that spirit is running through you and everybody feels it, you know, the nervousness and, and the excitement and, and all the intention, all the intention on that one moment to make that last trick. I think that those are the big two differences between the Olympic games and X games. What is one thing that Americans should know about the Olympic village, but that they probably don't know? What is that experience like? Oh boy. One thing that the public should know about the Olympic village. <laughs> I think the one thing that they should know is that the cafeteria when I was in Japan was three floors and it was all types of food you could possibly think of. It was like, it was like the buffet that you see on the side of the street times four. 
And it's like that every single four years, which is pretty awesome. That was one thing I, th I think that people should know. <laughs> yeah, that's huge. I, I should know that. I'm happy to know that now. That's sick. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're overseas. It, you know, it's obviously many time zones away. Could get kind of lonely. You're there with your country, though. Which other Olympians did you connect with the most in Tokyo? Oh, well, you, you know, as people know, skateboarding is an individual sport, right? So the Olympics was the first time that all of us actually were competing with the same uniform, right? And so mm -hmm. the real two people I connected with the most were Nigel and Jake, who are a part of the USA team with me. We were staying together for seven days, and we all got really close. And we were just in there every day when we weren't skating. We were walking around the village, looking around at the, at the, uh, at the lake that we were on, and it, we were just taking our time and like having a blast. And I think that like being able to connect with them on that level was really awesome. So you come home and now you got a bronze medal to your name. It's like, you're the same guy, you're the same skater, but you got this bronze. What doors is that unlocking? Or do you still feel like the same guy or were people sort of rolling out the red carpet for you a little bit? Um, I mean, when I got home with that bronze medal, you know, for me, I, I kind of grew up in a, in a way where, you know, it was always, me and my circle, my family, we're always just a really hardworking blue collar type family. So we really don't celebrate too much. But when I got home, you know, I, I really the, the biggest thing that I felt was kind of like a breath of fresh air. Like I, I just was able to take some deep breaths. I was able to come home and spend some time with my family and know that I kind of deserved a, a break. And I know for and this for a lot of athletes will kind of understand this, that either, it's not there's nothing that can really tell an athlete to stop until you do a performance like that to where the universe or something just tells you to slow down. And that's kind of what happened when I got home. I, I mean, dude, I got to do so many cool things, right? Like I got to go to New York and did a ton of stuff at NBC. I, 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 I sat front row with Camila Cabello at the, at the, um, at the Tom Ford show. Like I did so many things. Right. But again, you know, it was just really nice to take some time for myself and just take a break. Tell me a little bit more about the Tom Ford show. What, what was that night like? Oh, dude, the Tom Ford show was unbelievable. I mean, we, we got put up in a dub hotel and uh, I actually got Tom, Tom Ford or Mr. Ford, as you like to call him. Uh, he only dressed <laughs> people for that night and I was one of them. And so it, it was just unreal. You know, I was all decked out to the nines. I just some after parties after that. It was, uh, it was really rad. Yeah. I mean, talk about rolling out the red carpet, the, the bronze medal, it opens doors. What, what can I say? It was, um, yeah. Crazy. So speaking of good transition, you know, speaking of athletes retiring still at the top of their game, like Tom Brady, I know you became really close with Sean White too. Uh, yeah. and we all just watched him and his Olympics career in style, pretty great final run. Uh, what did it mean to you to see him shine like that one last time? And what are your emotions watching that run? Yeah. You know, Sean, Sean's a legend, you know, Sean's a legend. I, I've, I've, I've uh, never snowboarded with him, but I've skated with him a ton. Uh, and he still rips on his board. Don't, don't ever, don't ever put him down. He still rips on the skateboard. Um, but yeah, again, I mean, I think for all the, all the child and all of us that grew up watching him as a huge inspiration, watching him take his final run. Um, I know that, I know that that wasn't the result he wanted, but at the same time, I think that he was so, I think he's so fulfilled with his career and being able to watch that was just, it was unreal, right? You, you never really know how to act when you're watching history happen. And I feel like all of us got the chance to watch that. And I really cherish that. A hundred percent. And that's one that we all stayed up for. Like time difference yeah. is kind of weird, but we're, we're going to find a way to, to get to the TV in, in prime time for that. Um, 
I want to talk through your career just a little bit, some of the places that you've been. Uh, you were on Ridiculousness in 2015 when you were, what, like 13 years old? Is is that right? What was that experience like? Uh, yeah, I, I, I was somewhere. I can't even remember the age. I, I remember how I just, all I remember was how nervous I was on Ridiculousness. <laughs> that's all I, that's all I remember. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was, it all was so surreal, you know, being on Ridiculousness and then Fantasy Factory and then after that, me and Rob producing a Nickelodeon show. And like, he really just took me under his wing. You know, I never really had, I only had a few people in my life really take me under their wing and, and kind of make me their own and, and do huge projects with me. And Rob was one of the main ones. And it was so fun. I mean, you, you see Rob all over. He's doing podcasts and starting businesses and TV. But really, dude, that dude is just a down to earth, a great human. And like doing that with him and seeing that up front was awesome. You're a kid, you're at the X Games, you're, you're skating at such a high level. But I want to know, were you good at Tony Hawk Pro Skater as a kid like the rest of us, or did the skills not translate? Like, are you good at one, bad at the other, or just you mastered both? I'm good at one and bad at the other. I'm not good at video games at all, but my brother kills it. My brother kills it, Tony Hawk Pro Skater. I remember watching him all the time and like being like, I could do that him saying no and then us eventually getting into a fist fight, but it's just older brothers, right? <laughs> yeah. Very, very normal older brother behavior. Um, yep. Do you have a, do you have a playlist that you listen to to pump yourself up for events like this? And uh, if so, how has that sort of changed over the course of your career? Same style of music or are you in a different mode now? Yeah, I do have a playlist. I do have a playlist that gets me ready for each contest. Um, and uh, it's all changed over the years. It's all changed. I mean, I've, I've honestly, I've, I've, I grew up on country. And I think all of us kids go through a point in our lives where we hate country, just probably because our dads love it or our grandpas love it. We just don't like it. Um, but now I've, you know, the last six or seven years, I've become really in love with country music. And so country is always my playlist. But really, it's like old rap, new rap, uh, classic rock, a little bit of old rock. It's kind of all sorts of stuff. Really stuff just to get me in the zone. So... Again, just taking you, you know, you're, you're, I, I assume planning to, to try to qualify for the next Olympics as well. You've got one under your belt. What do you think you learned from the last competition that is going to bring you back even stronger uh, for four years later? Well, I think that what I learned from this Olympics or this past Olympics was that I was an underdog, right? Like, I don't think anybody expected me to medal, right? I really just went out there. Um, I went out there hurt. Um, I was tired. I was worn out. Um, but I think one thing that I learned was that there is no tournament like the Olympic Games. Like there is no contest. The Olympic Games will naturally bring the best out of you, right? It's really what happens until the Olympic Games, because whatever happens at the Olympic Games, it's kind of like that seventh game that I mean, I don't know how many I, I love that Jordan series. I love it. Right. But at mm -hmm. the same time all those players toward the end, they say it's all about who wants it more, right? There's no strategy or no training that you can do to prepare you for the Olympic Games. Like, th there's nothing. You just have to go there with an open mind and go compete your heart out, right? And so I think that's what I learned this past Olympics to not put too many expectations on myself and just go out there and compete. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed ready to qualify for Paris. Awesome. Uh, one final question before I let you go. You're an Arizona sports guy. Are your Phoenix Suns going to win the NBA title this year? Oh, my Phoenix Suns are 100% going to win the title this year. D-Book and CP3 are unstoppable. They're going to do it. I got all my money on them. 
Awesome. It's exactly what I want to hear. It's exactly what I would say if I were you. Uh, Jagger, thanks so much for joining me, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Adam. Later. Jagger Eaton, everybody. I know he said he's bad at Tony Hawk, but he would for sure roast my ass. That is a literal guarantee. And now, my final flame. Many of you have unfairly targeted Coach K for announcing his retirement prior to the season resulting in a quote-unquote farewell tour. Well, I ask you, how would you rather he have announced it? In the middle of the year, jarring his players in the process, or after the season, causing no hubbub at all? Okay, a lot of you are saying that second one is actually good. But think about this. How else was Coach Krzyzewski supposed to get a chance to speak? And yes, I insist on saying his full name this time. Abbreviating is for cowards and the Polish. Some will say, why at Coach Krzyzewski's final home game at Cameron Indoor, though? Doesn't he still have a job to do? Isn't that a premature rest? And to that I say, absolutely yes. And he's probably extremely glad at the moment about how premature it really was. He's like, oh, thank goodness. Now I have some more games to not do that again. Some of you are also upset about Duke's assistant coaches snubbing Carolina coach Hubert Davis's postgame handshake. But there's a simple explanation for that. They do not like him. And if any of you ever not liked somebody, Susie Boatwright, 8th grade dance on the water at La Taverna Arabiata. I asked her if she'd like my boot near, and she said I should drown in the Riviera. And did I shake her hand after the dance, as is customary? Yes. But there was no verve in it. The Duke assistants can behave however they'd like. They aren't made in Coach Krzyzewski's image. And they can interpret gestures in whatever way is most convenient. Because they have an ACC tournament and an entire NCAA tourney left before they have to face their legacies. And again, thank God. Because if not, this all would have been a tremendous embarrassment. As it stands, it still will be, but they'll have two more excuses to pretend they never cared about it in the first place. Just like when, following the initial rejection, I asked Susie Boatwright to prom, and then for her hand in marriage. And then for anyone's hand in marriage. God, I... I just want a marriage. That's it! My thanks to Jagger Eaton. Until next time, we'll see you next Thursday. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.